Some people were asking about jhana yesterday, so I thought I'd say a few things. Um, <coughs> this is uh, in line with that sutta that we've been tracing with the advice to Megia, with the Buddha talks of the basis of Sangha life companionship and then out of that meditation topics arising the supakamatani unattractive aspects of the body the metabhavana cultivation of goodwill loving kindness then anapanasati mindfulness of breathing and um, so mindfulness of breathing is one of the most uh, continually emphasized uh, modes of training for for jhana you see it's a bodily thing so though sometimes people use kasinas for jhana the Buddha didn't teach um, kasina meditation he did teach Anapanasati um, and mindfulness of body as means of uh, training and in that the whole process is, is of jhana is described in bodily terms um, you know, generally drenching, suffusing the body with pleasure uh, sitting with a sense of happiness and comfort in the body um, extending uh, awareness over the entire body um, so that it becomes very refined so it's very much a, a bodily thing and of course if you just take the Supakamatan as the as the final statement on bodily life it's a bit grim as, uh, as is noted in the suttas when a whole group of monks started killing themselves so this uh, other aspect of the body is what we might call a subtle body or inner body which is the bodily sense or the somatic or kind of energetic sense of the body so it's not the thing we see but it's the thing we experience in our own bodies um, so, and this is a place the Buddha says it's a place of great comfort comfort and happiness so he described this meditation as being that which is pleasant and uh, and soft and smooth when you consider the kind of practices people were up to in those days uh, you know, severe forms of asceticism and the rather harsh conditions, physical conditions of India heat and roughness and hunger and, and bites of insects and things and disease and uh, Anapanasati was considered a pretty comfortable little uh, abiding place and it's unfortunate that seemingly nowadays it's very, it gets more difficult for people because the external comforts are all there and uh, so Anapanasati is a bit boring really and also there seem to be seem to have severe you know physical blocks restricted breathing either because of physical posture or because of um, somatic impressions uh, restricted, like associated with fear or tension or uh, defensiveness so they may not be even conscious but these kind of uh, hindrances locked into the bodily pattern so that the breathing doesn't come easy uh, doesn't flow easily and uh, we may find ourselves coming from an attitude of meditation where we're trying to approach meditation very much from the do-it personality viewpoint um, which doesn't work very well at all um, because uh, it's this the way that personality gets structured is something that's quite divorced from the body up in our heads as a personality and often out of the abstract world so this 
energetically and even psychologically and attitudinally doesn't really meet the body which is something that the, opera, the rhythms are much slower um, looser in some ways than the tight and uh, driving um, and agitated qualities of the personality realm you get conditioned into so it's, you can't get the synchromesh going to gear these two things together <coughs> but in a way it's, a, it's still useful to bear in mind because in a way it does give us something to begin to unwind the whole compulsion experience through because all we're saying is just just breathe out you know you know, like, like, loosen up when you just breathe out. And, uh, you know. uh, so there's, there's a, almost like, uh, rather than just go to the the physical object, there's also that that attitude, that sense, like, you know, really just, just take a deep breath out, you know, like, relax, huh? And that, giving oneself the permission, the encouragement to do that and then allow allow yourself to breathe in which isn't really something you do it's something that happens naturally at the end of an out-breath the body does it for you so that feeling of just sit back and let it happen is a very nice and I feel very therapeutic um, thing to tune into however good we are at it and this of course is always the problem with all meditation when you get systems and techniques and structures and the stakes are very high you know complete liberation and developed concentration and that tends to go up to the personality level and then becomes trying to get good at it and um, you know we get tight and forceful and sometimes you know you can get some interesting results which Aren't always don't always work out for your welfare because you get too personality reinforced but what's more likely is you get bad results and feel dismal and depressed and then so something that was supposed to be there to help you feel comfortable and easy turns out to be a torment but if we look at the there's a sense of that breathing is a bodily thing it's also I say, an attitudinal thing just let it happen you breathe out allow yourself to completely breathe in and take that in don't hurry nothing else to do um, it's also very intimate Nobody else is watching it. It's unique, it's your own. Feeling feeling your own breathing in your own body. How it is for you. how you know you're breathing which is something I generally recommend as a kind of basic introduction just get to that are you breathing, how do you know you're breathing and then what senses or energies or feelings give rise to that impression start from there but if you um, look at the, the factors of first jhana and then these um, you can see them relating particularly to a meditation topic and I'll use the breathing as the meditation topic to refer to it though you, you could use others but also they do represent certain general trainings or general um, processes of cultivation that have a, a long term, have a far greater consequence and are to be cultivated more uh, as a way of life, actually. 
So the factors are viveka, which is translated as detachment, non-attachment, seclusion, withdrawal, and various other things. Sense of, um, so that's the first. And the second, vitaka, which is translated as thought conception, or directed thought, or thinking, or directed attention. Vichara, which is um, sometimes translated as um, sustained thought, or evaluation. Um, It's much more of a reflective sense. Piti, which is, can be anything from feeling refreshed to joy, to zest, to uh, rapture. So anything from feeling a slight uplift sense, and there's a bodily aspect to that, to feeling quite um, trembly and um, even elated in a bodily sense. And there's, of course, the emotional sense that goes along with that. And sukha which represents ease, happiness, comfort, contentment, pleasure, opposite of dukkha. Smooth. Dukkha is the snag, the rough edge, the jarring experience. Sukha is the opposite of that. These are the factors um, the Buddha describes. And actually the word Concentration doesn't even appear in that list. And it's um, Viveka is the beginning of it, and it's emphasized in the end of it as the uh, piti and sukha, the, the joy or the uplift and the ease are that which are born of Viveka. They come from this quality of Viveka. So Viveka. Um, when we start to meditate, you know what the most the entrance to meditation in the Buddhist sense is, is a kind of stepping back. You know, there you are doing this, thinking this, doing this, feeling this, in this mood or this thought, and then something is, wait a minute, what's happening? And you step back. Oh, that's Viveka. That's the beginning of it. It's that sense where you're not in it, in your thing, but you're with it. You know, it's more holistic. You're suddenly just contemplating it rather than being in there. And there's a shift. And just the and we all do this all the time. Not even when we're meditating, but uh, many times when you say, "Oh, just give me a minute." I need to think about something, often that that means is you, you shift, you gear, shift gear from current train of thought or pressure to get something done into just cut engines, what's happening? And this is this kind of movement, a shift. So it's something we do. And of course it doesn't happen for long, most of us do that and then the next thing comes up and then we, we get onto that and we get involved with that. You know, so we get and the focus narrows again. The sense of Viveka is like a wider focus, a, a, a softer tone, an energy that's more that's not so driven and it's looser. Mm. So this is I think a very important general cultivation, this, this cultivation of loosening, easing, um, not getting driven, getting enmeshed. You can say it's a, a standard of all of our lives really. And the liberation of the heart can be seen as upad chitta-viveka, kaya-viveka, chitta-viveka, upadi-viveka. Upadi-viveka is complete releasing from, stepping back from, not getting enmeshed in those forces and energies that drive us into grasping and becoming. This is, I think, a very important thing to to get a feeling for, 
because particularly when you are interested in developing meditation this is the bit that we don't necessarily fully enhance or take stock of take into account we want to get on and get driven into our thing just before you do that or you get on to your meditation topic just loosening, letting go, relaxing and in terms of the jhanas as you said secluded or relaxed or released or stepped back from or secluded from unskillful desires and craving, ambition and you can feel as we all do those energies, what they're like not just the topics but the, <coughs> the heat the turmoil the involvement and you just <coughs> feel, sense though the perspective suddenly clamps narrows down and clamps onto something, we get heated up and we get a certain compulsive, compelling energy whether dark and negative or lustrous and inviting in terms of craving yeah, you can, but they both have the same pattern they're tight, they're constrictive and they're, they're vigorous they're going places the vigor is they're kind of cutting it away at pulling out of that so when you get a sense of that you know what actually happens what the mind can do and does do many times actually is it feels the the tightness or the unskillfulness of something wait a minute stop you come out we can do this we can do it thoroughly the Buddha just mentions here the two most obvious and um, destructive forces Um, but there's a lot more of course and um, you know we may start with just just pulling out of those two most destructive uh, patterns but then in the process of this uh, cultivation that viveka is developed till it gives rise to quality of piti and sukha so it's not just that you start you start with that and then it's finished but that continues you stay in that space in that easeful space in that um, particular tone and energy and you, do, you cultivate within that um, and it's a result of the cultivation within that which is slightly like about aligning or a sharpening or a tuning which is what we talk and vichara do they listen in they hear the note they key in and it's the mixture of those two that give rise to this sense of piti and sukha but primarily born of viveka now what this means essentially is viveka is like the mother this is the body of it it's the womb it's the the space it's the, the very energy of viveka is suffusive, it's not driven it's um, it's, it's um, supportive it's like a cushion mm. you can just sit in that it's a place where the, the, the drive and the panic and the tension relax and it has a bodily sense to it so if you like there's an attitudinal sense to it which is we may find oh that doesn't seem right there's an emotional sense to it oh I, oh, I, I don't like that you know? so we step back but uh, the, the supportive quality of it is not just what one has stepped back from but what one has stepped back into which is this very nice I say loose, loose sounds like it's frayed but it's kind of relaxed, open um, energy, you've got plenty of energy there because it's not all tightened up, knotted up and frantic so you've, got, you've opened up that resource 
and then you can, within that, you can then listen in or tune in or have whatever metaphor you like to your, your chosen theme. And because this Viveka is, I feel, so important and, and such a, a threshold, final threshold, that you know, many times what I teach is mostly just about that. And so sometimes people think I'm not teaching them how to, how to meditate or get on because I'm not actually <laughs> driving. <laughs> but I've seen the results of people driving their cars over cliffs and into brick walls and uh, breakdowns over so many years. Frantic, depressed, anxious, uptight. That, uh, you know, I feel this is a very important step to thing to acknowledge. You need all you do when you practice and meditate is just do that. You know, just step out of the of the, the driven compulsive states and the frightened anxious states and the not good enough states and the all that got to's which are really quite ingrained, almost tattooed over the bodily impression. So sometimes people can't even feel the body, so so uh, numbed out. And so from that base, then you can you can cultivate many things. Actually, you could just stay there, Viveka, and and develop uh, an awareness that suffuses and extends the Brahma Vihara. Mm. Or just you know contemplating the energies and movements that come up in the mind and keep releasing them so you can practice like that and it's of course the basis Viveka is also the basis for mindfulness it's, you know, it's from this that mindfulness becomes possible in Satipatthana Sutta that's, that's where it begins and mindfulness is akin to Vitaka Mindfulness is the general sense of coming into the present, and Vitaka is a particular mental function that we can use to do that. And what that does, mindfulness and Vitaka do, is they get to the point, they sharpen point, point. But because it's based within this larger sense of Viveka, you're not tightening up something that's tight already. You're not making compulsive something that's compulsive already. You're actually finding within that space, tune in, get to the point, touch the point, touch the point, touch the point. And it becomes rather enjoyable. Because there's nothing else to do right now. And, uh, you know, and without that, what happens is Viveka can just dissolve into into sort of vagueness or cloudiness, um, you know, or, or get pulled away into various compulsions. So you give it, you give your attention something to navigate around. And if we're using mindfulness of breathing, it's just the acknowledgement of the sense of breathing in the present moment. So, Vitaka, um, some people tr- use thought to deliberately think something, breathing, 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 or in, or in, or one, two, three, or Buddha, or whatever, you can do that. Um, my own disposition is in, is inspired by investigation, questions rather than commands. Being of a stubborn, rebellious nature, I don't like commands, being given commands even by myself. <laughs> I do like uh, being invited and being given questions. And so, so I generally use something like where's the breath? are you breathing? 
how do you know you're breathing? So rather than just kind of going through a sort of litany of one, two, three, four, five, and not really wing with it, just it's like, oh, is it there? It's like you're listening in. Uh huh, uh huh. And it may be within that one could detect a range of things, in my experience. There's the bodily sense, the abdomen distends and the chest swells, fairly obvious. There's the brushing sensations in the respiratory tract. And those are, I would guess, for most people, the fundamental things that you, you sense, most obvious characteristics you sense when you breathe in and breathe out. And you may feel, as you do that, how comfortable that feels. And then which what you feel most comfortable with because that's really important and so much so that if, if the mindfulness of breathing is something that causes you distress or anxiety or tension then find something else because the quality of itaka means it's something you actually want to listen to you, know, you can't you, could, you you can't keep driving if you can keep the state of Viveka it's got something that you you feel worthwhile or inspiring um, gladdening comforting could be anything from something you feel really inspired by or just feel comfortable with or feel happy with or feel yeah I can manage this so the, the, the sense of the whole tone of the mind is interested and uh, inclines towards a particular meditation topic. So then you just keep acknowledging. Now, actually, with time, if if you if your body loosens up enough, breathing in and out is very pleasant um, because what you sense with it is more than just these two more obvious physical senses. You also sense an energetic uh, experience which is uh, you're breathing out something suffusive, diffusing, releasing, softening when you're breathing in something brightening, uh, clarifying, cleaning, sharpening and it occurs over the, over the whole body or it's not um, limited to the respiratory tract or respiratory organs, you can feel it in the sensitive parts of your body like the palms of your hands or the, your face or your eyes uh, even down into your feet sometimes depending on because the energy spreads through the whole body and it seems to be related to what the Buddha was teaching with Anapanasati who said you know um, thoroughly sensitive to the entire body I breathe in and out and when it's unfortunate that commentators have felt the need to improve that by saying the body of the breath when Buddha actually says the entire body and talks about suffusing and drenching the entire body but unless you really sense that the you know that the breathing is an energy experience not just an air experience you can't how can you breathe with your feet you don't get any air going down your feet but energetically you do you get the whole thing lights up it's like when you get angry, you may feel heat in your head, tightness in your belly and, and sweat in your palms, but your whole body goes on to alert, doesn't it? Tightens up. So when you're breathing in and out, it's the whole tone and somatic resonance of the body becomes much uh, more enjoyable, suffusive, pleasing, comforting. So, so as you develop, or vitaka is the acknowledging of the bo- of the breath impression, breathing impression, and what's striking again is the Buddha didn't specify any particular location for that, but did emphasise with every phrase it's the in and the out. So to, you know. Uh, it's both emphasizing the continuity but also the, the distinct rhythmic shift from in-breathing to out-breathing is part of it and that's most 
obvious in the energetic experience of that whereas in terms of the muscular movements it's it's not so strong but energetic movements like day and night um, in breathing and out breathing they're very different but for that you develop vichara which is on the point and then vichara is which is vitaka and then vichara is more reflecting evaluating um, and it's about how is it if vitaka is what is it or where is it or are you breathing just actually get to the point vichara is well how is that you might say well soft or bright or don't know because it's an encouragement for for um, an aspect of mind to be brought into play that we may not have um, taken into account in meditation. Meditation can be the sense of focusing and you know vitaka sense, we mindfulness, but there's also the sampajanya sense, which is the full awareness of sensitivity, the receptive and this is what vichara corresponds to sampajanya receptive how is it? and when we're receptive it's uh, almost imaginative not create, but it's like metaphorical if you like, because we're it's, uh, you're dealing with the receptive aspect of the mind which is not doesn't place a concept onto the experience, which is what Vitaka can do. It actually listens in and derives a percept. Percepts are things like images, senses, feelings, tones. They're, they're a little more directly experienced than concepts. Concepts are the abstract things. Percepts are the most immediate thing the mind senses. You know, so we might hear a bell and feel the sense of sharpness or disturbance and then, oh, it's the bell, the concept comes. You, you hear the door bang and you, you get the sense of shock or, or, or violence even. And then, oh, it's just the door banging. Mm. You know, so you get the, the percept and the feeling arise first and the concept comes after. But very often we don't bother with that, the percept. But in vichara, it's it's the the percept that you pick up. How does it feel? How it, it may feel like fire, it may feel like water, it may feel like stroking, it may feel big, small. So it's this, uh, and it's not important what that is, but that you're accessing a particular aspect of mind which is deep, receptive and it's much more quiet than the vitaka which is the directive sense mm. so in this way we use the two, both aspects of the conceiving mind conceiving and perceiving mind and this is how we use or harness bring into play this um, vachi sankara which is one of the three primary forms energy forms that we have is the, the thinking mind or the conceiving mind or the describing mind its ability to know something so we bring that into play and if you only use a bit of it and the other bit of it somewhere else so if you only use vitaka and the vichara starts drifting off into little moods and daydreams and you know, perceptions of some kind vichara is the thing that really digests and takes the process in samples it and in a way it the use of these two deeply bonds 
this mano aspect, the of the vaji aspect, to to the to the meditation object. And when it does so, then the, the there's an emotional resonance or an emotive resonance. One feels connected. One feels present. One feels um, held. It's not quite the same as an emotion, which emotions generally a mixture of emotive resonances and memories and drives and so forth. This, this is just the, the very um, quality of happiness that occurs when you're undistracted, when you're with something that fits you, when you're comfortable, when you're fully there, when you're fully involved with something because you want to be. Hmm? And this is what Vitaka Vichara are based upon and encouraging. You know, be there with something that fits you because you want to be and you're enjoying it and you're getting on with it. You know, and then you get the emotive resonance, which is rapture, happiness. Just like a, a skilled craftsman gets happiness when he's carving his wood or his painting or a musician gets that when they're with their music they had to know, they had to do the technique they had to get focused on the present moment they had to feel the mood and then they're fully with it and then this rapture, pity arises but in meditation of course this is very much a, um, something you know that, that's within one's own body within one's own body, within one's own mind this is what is, is gives rise this quality, piti. And piti and sukha ease are the where we, we sense this kind of emotive um, togetherness, uplift, collected, being gathered in and you get enjoyment. And this is where meditation is, is about enjoyment. So there's a, it's a very big shift, and uh, this is another very important threshold because until we cross that threshold, meditation tends to be something that I ought to do, I'm supposed to do, I know it's good for me, um, I'm going to have a go at it, um, you know, every day I should do some, and I get annoyed myself if I don't, I feel bad if I don't, you know, so we we're coming from perhaps good intention but not really the same sort of um, place of free enjoyment which we might associate with things outside of meditation playing football going to a concert or something of that nature but it's it's because of this that the holy life is possible in the Buddhist sense of the word Buddha is saying this is a pleasant pleasant abiding in the here and now. I teach this subtle pleasure. There's nothing wrong with this. So with this we we can feel rather than just dutiful, idealistic, obliged, or guilty if we don't, we can feel really oh, I really like this. I, I feel I feel fulfilled in this in this sense. Mm. There's room for me here. That's an important um, thing, to, threshold to, to get cover in meditation and in life in general, really. So I'd like to just digress a little bit just to acknowledge that this is, in my understanding, the you know, sense of a mood that should suffuse the whole of the life. It's not, you know, we're kind of doing our monastic bit and fending off these lovely other things we could be doing, we're giving them up, even though they're really nice. We're giving up because we this is the right thing to do or the thing we should do. We've got laws and rules against it. 
but actually I like this, this is what I want to do um, so the, the noble companionship is very much part of that, I like being with people um, you know. and uh, I think there's, there's good things you can do you know, you can help out, you can be part of it it's not, you're not just passive, you can help that's nice, I enjoy doing that putting myself into what I'm doing you know, that's where one gets that sense of pity because it's not in, it's a mixture of both something that you put in and something that is given to you and this is the, the, part, the, the mixture of it part of it is, yeah, you are doing some skillful focusing and some skillful attuning, definitely and putting aside other things that's the first bit of it so that the mind is made bright and clean because it's not clogged up or frayed or distracted but then, if you like, that's the vitaka bit of it the vichara bit is, as you do that you suddenly you have to drink in, like your cells can suck in something else you know, this quality that we may not really recognise the receptive quality, what we receive you suddenly lifted, inspired, gladdened, warmed, encouraged it's something that lifts you up and pity has both of those in it but the, probably the significant thing is the time when we really sense that something's lifting us, something's behind us, something's, you know, we're on something bigger than just my efforts. And that's exceptionally transformative for the, the psychology. And that personality thing begins to just relax a little bit. You don't have to be this and do that. And, you know, something, you're also in something that's there for you. And that, that is very transformative because it's rather like um, you know you're no longer some kind of little lonely fragment struggling out there in a barren uncaring world you're in some cosmos that is interested in you and is lifting you and is breathing you and this is actually the bigger the more realistic um, truth of our lives as human beings you know in one sense we are frail, I'm stuck within this body and so on but the spiritual sense that we can open to is we're part of something bigger that moves through us and we're connected on that level we can have compassion uh, we can support each other we're empathic beings and that's, that's natural and it shouldn't we don't want to sacrifice that just in order to get my little bit you know, so when you get the larger sense, then it's much easier to get let go of my little bits and my time and my territory and my stuff. Because you know, I don't want to live like that tight, manipulative way. It feels it's much better to be bigger, freer. You know? And then whatever we've given up, you know, it doesn't seem so what. You know, it doesn't seem there's that bigger thing actually because you, you, you open into something that's actually far more fruitful and less tight and less manipulative and the whole sense of personality can relax the mind, the thinking mind, the conceiving mind, the worrying heart can relax and feel just being here is, is good enough so with pity then that moves into sukha which is that sense of something more contented and easeful as a general kind of attitude and emotive um, key this is something that's always um, emphasised in in, uh, certainly forest monasteries is just sabai, sabai jai, you know, make make the heart feel comfortable. Mm. Don't don't get hung up, don't get fretful, don't panic, don't 
get tight about rules and things, just, you know, yeah, 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 there's all that, there are things like that, but basically approach it from the sabai, comfortable, friendly, you know, way, operation and so forth, and uh, being human about it all, rather than absolute dogmatic about things. This seems to be, um, you know, thing that they can, people can relate to. And sometimes in the Western mindset on spiritual matters or religious matters, we, we lose that. We want to be exact and pure and right and the best and no mucking about and no nonsense and, you know, black and white. And from the thinking mind's point of view, that, that feels sounds really good. But emotionally, it's pretty fraught. Now, interestingly enough, when you, you cultivate, if you cultivate that in the microcosm in terms of, again, using mindfulness and breathing, what occurs is, is that the, the physical aspects of the breathing sort of uh, become less apparent and the energetic aspects become more apparent that is the general sense of suffusiveness um, the body becomes less apparent as, as a thing with edges around it as a bones and meat and pressure and uh, tactile thing that, that becomes less apparent or, or dissolves into something that's more somatic and, and um, suffusive So your body can sometimes lose its boundaries. Uh, it may seem that um, body becomes more like mist or smoke or water or or, or flows and flushes. Mm. And so then the breathing then is used as something just to keep you on on track. Just you can acknowledge these general, most magnetic tides that run through that. You know the the the, the pulling through of the in-breath and the out-breath as, as almost like tidal waves that move through this, this somatic bodily experience so you, you don't have to keep a particular point located in the nostrils or something like that but it doesn't Then another bit is that the process of unification is really when that, what we call the conceptual or the mental aspect, which is the dominated vitaka vichara, is there. And that's in tune. And it's not running all over the place. And that's grounded. And the emotive sense, which is the quality of piti, that's not running all over the place, feeling dejected, feeling over-energized, feeling under-energized, feeling lonely, feeling lost, this, that and the other. That's, that's in tune. That's just picking up and feeling brightened. In the bodily sense, or the somatic sense, the body feels like, just feels like comfort and ease. Hmm. And so when all these three come together, then you have, uh, everything is gathered together in one place and the factor of ekagata, which means in one point or one place um, is there and there's a certain I would say almost magnetic quality to that, that when, it, when those three do come together it's almost like feeling held in it uh, and so much so that, that as that deepens your mind doesn't, not just doesn't want to think, it doesn't actually difficult to get thinking going you know, so you're quite um, the thinking energy um, subsides and it's just the sense of clarity and focus but without vitaka, vichara that's been taken up that, that fact has been taken up by uh, enjoyment or assurance 
sense of confidence and one-pointedness. As we probably know in doing other things, you know, like any task, because you have to think how to do it, remember how to do it, keep checking whether you're doing it right or wrong, and eventually when you get really good and proficient at it, that bit, it's not that your mind's wandering elsewhere, you don't, that bit doesn't there, you just kind of like feel into what you're doing. And I've seen, you know, skilled craftsmen who do things, and you say, how did you, they don't even know how they did it, because to them, it, like the hands did it. And they were completely there with it, and there was no, you know, thinking it through. It was just, you know, oh, it just, it was like, doesn't everybody do this? It just, it just happens. Uh, unconscious, in a way, or no self-consciousness around it. These are things that we may be able to, just by, by talk like this, we may get a feeling for what, what is meant behind these, these words that you see repeated so many times in the books. And I'll just emphasize again that the, um, it's a process that's uh, quite natural, but it, there's a certain thoroughness to it. That is, you know, particularly viveka, vitaka, vichara are things you do, you do in a way, like you, you really, you keep dropping and shifting, you keep letting go and coming to that viveka place. That's definitely a, a do it bit. You do it, but you also feel what's happened. Oh yeah, feels like that. I feel a bit cooler or easier. Vitaka, you're doing it. You know what's happening, and vichara, you're also receiving it. And if those blend, you know, and you're finding a place or something you feel comfortable, inspired by, interested in, focusing on, then these other factors will arise by themselves. And that's the beauty of it, because in that arising by itself, the, the kaya, the jitta, the vajira are gathered together, and this sense of the separate me trying to make it all happen, the personality can uh, you know, be dissolved, can dissolve. It's a deconstruction of that, at least a temporary one. And so that's in itself is, is also deeply transformative because when you release it, it's like shaking out all the cre- creases and crinkles and, bed and crumbs from out of the bed sheets, you know. And so that even when you reform a pers- personality to function, you don't have to go back to the same old twisted up shape. You come back a little looser or more in tune or without all the dents and bruises in the, in the, in the mind. So this is um, these factors are things to consider and uh, approach, make an effort with friendliness to to develop. Mm-hmm.